And now it's time for the LinkedIn Jesus Transformed Podcast. Podcast. Regurgitating Bible verses. I want to know if you really understand what it is that you are preaching. Therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words. But what are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age, one size fits all crap. How do you stay away from the Bible if you're going to preach? I need answers, and all your questions and your uncertainty are only making things worse. I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness, because I am running out of time! Now, here's your host, Jeff Roderick. All right, well, welcome to LinkedIn Jesus Transform Podcast. This is episode number three, and I'm really excited. We have Heather Carter with us today, and Heather, she uh, has written a couple of books, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to get to know uh, Heather a little bit better. You know, she comes from the West Coast, so she was raised, lived most mm-hmm. of her life on the West Coast, has moved to Illinois of all places, uh, somebody that somewhere that I've been living my entire life, but has chosen to live here for. It uh, looks like almost the past 25 to 30 years uh, that she's been here and um, is married, has three children, and has had time to not only be a successful real estate agent, but has written two books, Soul Selfie and Soul Selfie Unfiltered, which, um, again, are some pretty cool books that I want to talk a little bit about and kind of get to know. Um, but first of all, let me say thank you for being here, Heather. Welcome to LinkedIn Jesus podcast and uh, looking forward to, to our discussion today. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, very cool. So listen, you've got a crazy, amazing story and a crazy, amazing God story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this this whole podcast is really designed for a couple of purposes, but it is all about bringing hope to people who um, maybe feeling hopeless or maybe feeling like they're going through some things that that nobody else out there is going through. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I certainly know you've gone through a lot and a lot more than than I've had to go through. And, and, I, and I thank God that you're here today to, to be able to tell that story. You know, for um, those who may not know your story, I know you, you battled um, leukemia and mm-hmm. it was a, a pretty rough ride at, from what I understand um, that, that God brought you through that. Um, can you tell a little bit about your story of how did you find out you had leukemia? What, what, what did that look like? And, and how, how did you respond once you got that news? And, and Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a pretty wild thing. I mean, I didn't really know anything about leukemia until I got it. Uh, it's kind of one of those obscure kind of cancers. I mean, some people probably don't even know that it's, that's what it's cancer, um, the blood cancer. So I was having some symptoms for quite a, probably two or three months. Um, was in pretty decent health. Otherwise, I never had anything serious going on, but I started having some swelling in different parts of my body. And I had it kind of a lump in my throat, kind of like you want to cry, but you can't. I had that for a few months. And, you know, I started thinking we had been through some pretty tough stuff at our church, um, which we'll, we can talk about that kind of thing later, but there was some pretty painful um, transitions and betrayals and things like that, that were 
uh, I, I was pretty heavy hearted about. Uh, in fact, if you asked me today if I would do that part of my life again or cancer again, I would choose cancer wow. any day of the week. Wow. Because there's a difference between a disease like that and a disease of your soul that just is chronically rolling around in your heart and in your mind. And um, so I was pretty, I was having a rough time anyway. So I thought, you know, maybe I literally have a lump in my throat. Like I just need to cry this whole thing out or something. I don't know. I was getting very frustrated. And so finally towards the end, there were many miracles that led to my diagnosis, but the last day um, before I uh, went to the doctor, I'd been tested several times. They told me I had rheumatoid arthritis. That was like their best guess, I think. (laughs) It wasn't that. And I was even being treated for that. But um, the day before I went to the doctor to get blood work, I remember I was doing cleaning and painting for my job. And I was at this guy's house doing my job and he wasn't there. And I thought, I wonder if he'll notice if I don't vacuum because I don't think I can get the vacuum up the stairs. It was a little vacuum. But my heart rate was so uh, high doing little things because with leukemia, your red blood cells are just tanked. So you have no, you know, everything you do makes you feel like you winded and feel like you just ran a marathon. So um, I thought this is stupid. You know, I'm 45 years old. I should not be able to not carry up a vacuum. So I called my doctor at that house and they told him what was happening. And they said, well, he can see you next week. I said, that's fine. And then she said, you know what? Hold on just a minute. And she put me on hold for so long that I finally hung up on her. Or when she called me back and said, because of your heart rate, he will see you tomorrow. So I went in the next day, got some blood work done at 11 in the morning. And by four o'clock, they called me and told me on the phone, here are your numbers, uh, your blood counts. These are indicative of leukemia. We have a bed for you. You need to come to the hospital right now. So I literally just like, well, with me, the, I think it's hilarious that some of the things I write about are things like control is one of my big signature sins. And um, so my first call was not to my husband. It was to a doctor friend so I could try to find myself a good oncologist. And he's like, uh, I don't really know any. And I said, well, maybe I should call my husband. He's like, yeah, that would be a better thing to do. <laughs> Get yourself to the hospital first. Yeah. I'm already all right. We're going to fix this. We're going to kick its butt. And um, so anyway, I went to the hospital and on my way there, I remember saying to my husband, how long do you think I'll be in there? And he said, 30 days, like, excuse me. And he said, that's the standard treatment for leukemia. You're first, you're in the hospital for 30 days, no questions asked. So just like that, everything just came to a screeching halt in my world. And they told me when I got there, this is the miraculous part, is that if you would have waited to that appointment for the next week, you would not have lived because your white blood cells were, mine were um, 100,000 when I got to the hospital and normal is like 5,000. So they were getting so thick and they probably would have clogged up and killed me. So, you know, just the timing was so significant on, on a lot of things for me to get there and I feel very grateful. Unbelievable. <laughs> Were you now? Have you always been healthy prior to this? I mean, I mean, yep. somebody that, for the most part, yeah. was in fairly decent shape and no no sickness. Nope. And you know, leukemia. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. 
The other two people that I met right when I got in the hospital were about my age. Um, and they were the same way. They were healthy. They exercised regularly. They ate good. You know, it just, I don't know what triggers it exactly. Um, but what was funny is actually the year before, so when I got to the hospital, my husband and I were, of course, in shock and crying and upset. And the nurses came in and they said, um, my husband said, I don't understand this. You know, she just, she ran two half marathons last year. And then he went on to say some other stuff. What they wrote down was she runs marathons, <laughs> which is not true. I ran two half marathons and I, they almost killed me and I haven't run since. And I didn't run before that. But it was funny. So every time after that, that the doctors came in, they'd be like, don't you worry. We're going to get you running those marathons in no time. I was like, oh, no, thank you, friend. I'm good with that. <laughs> oh, it took, took a little yeah. story and stretched it a long way, didn't they? <laughs> so. And it's, doc, it's in my medical records that I run marathons, I guess. So. Wow. Wow. Um, well, hey, there's worse I mean, stuff not. than that to be in a medical record. But, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so with never being sick before, not really somebody who's experiencing going in and out of doctors and, yeah. and you hear this this news that had to have just been overwhelmingly shocking to you mm -hmm. that, and, and I, I mean, did it register at first what they're saying to you? Did, were you thinking mortality at this point? I mean, what were, what was going through your mind the moment that they said the word cancer to you? Yeah. Um, I think I was in shock for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't freak out initially. I just, like I said, I called a friend and get a, oncologist that was my like let's fix this let's control this yeah. and my husband um i mean yeah we were just in shock i remember being in there though and and something that i'll always be thankful for and i tried to do myself is that the nurses that came in there was one particular nurse named star who was on shift and she came in and she you know she sees this all the time but she still still sat down with us she cried with us she put her arm around me and said, this is going to be okay. It's just a little blip. It's just a little blip on the screen. It's all going to be okay. And, you know, and then the people that were in there with me, um, some people that I knew, actually one of them did end up passing away from his cancer, but um, there were two of the people my age that came next door to tell me, I know how you feel. It's going to be okay. Here's what you should expect. And there was just something about, someone coming alongside you and saying, you're not the only one. And I know exactly how you feel. So that's really, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about my books, but that's what my books are is I'm coming alongside people saying, we got this. I've done this before. I've experienced this before. You can do this. You're not the only one. Let's, let's go. What a blessing. And I know God did use this experience to really um, set you on a, on a path mm -hmm. for your books um, and, and writing. We're, we're, how was your faith? Where were you at in your faith when you got this news? Was it, were you already, were you already, I know you had said that you were in the, involved in the church. I don't know if you were involved at that time. Were you pretty strong in your faith at that time? Was it something that you questioned um, why God would let this happen? Was it something, I mean, what, <clears throat> what did that look like from a faith side of things when you mm -hmm. got this news? You know, um, well, my husband and I actually had been pastoring a church for 25 years. Wow. So we definitely had our, we were knee deep in church world and God. And um, so we had left our church probably 
three years before this time. Okay. And there was some, you know, it was how sometimes churches go. Sure. Some things did not end really well. And there was a lot of hurt and a lot of um, pain from that. Uh, I went to church one Sunday, a Saturday night, and then Sunday and my husband resigned that night and I didn't know he was resigning. And then the next day we, and then we were done and I didn't go back. You know, this was a thousand people that I saw every Sunday that I didn't see again, some of them ever again. And some, we, we stayed in town, which I, you know, a lot of people leave a ministry and they move away sure. and um, we stayed around. I mean, I had to do it all and face it every day. There was no stuffing or ignoring it. And I, I know a lot of people who get hurt in ministry or other ways and they just flee. Yeah. But that stuff still goes with you. You know, you just because you don't see them every day doesn't mean it's not, you know, dredged down in your soul. So I'm grateful that God had it took me down a pretty stringent path of forgiving people, owning my part in things. Obviously, no one's ever 100% innocent in anything we do. So um, he really went to work on me and I was I was deep in it. And then one of my first thoughts probably was like, seriously, are you serious here? You know, we have just about died from this last thing. And now we have leukemia on top mm. of this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was very shocking and um, not fair. Life's not fair. We always say my house fair is where you go to get a corn dog. It's just not, <laughs> life's not fair. I like that one. I like that. Yeah, Especially for Illinois, you know, we, yes. created, we invented the corn dog, I think at cozy dog here in Springfield. So we always say, we have state fair here. Fair is where you go to get a corn dog. That's about it. Um, but it wasn't very long after that. I mean, obviously that's your, my initial knee jerk was like, seriously, but we both knew where our hope would come from and where our strength would come from. And with thousands of people praying for me, um, one thing that was really cool, actually, like because another piece of it was, is right before I got leukemia, I had gotten my real estate license. Okay. And so I also was kind of like, really? I just got my license like a month ago. I my, sold my first house and I hadn't even closed on it yet. Wow. Um, so I was kind of irritated about that. And uh, But then as I started thinking back uh, later down the road, when I had some clarity, I realized, you know, one of the things I had to do, I was I'd kind of been in hiding, I think, for a few couple of years. And when I got my license, they suggest you write a hundred handwritten letters to people about what you're doing. So I took that time to write a hundred handwritten letters to people I had been at my church with a lot of those people and telling them thank you for the things they had done or had meant to my family over the years. Um, and so that was very therapeutic and it was also reconnecting. So I also got on Facebook for the first time. I'd never been on social media. And as much as whatever people think about that, you know, I was at least a presence out there. So when I got leukemia a month later, everybody knew and I had a way to talk about it. And then everyone was praying and there was thousands of people where, you know, my husband's family is in every single one of them pretty much is in ministry. So there were people all over the world and missionaries and Uganda and Ukraine and everybody praying for me because of the reach that our family had in their ministries. So, you know, I realized that my real estate wasn't really about 
real estate. It was about connecting and coming out of hiding so that when I was uh, ready to, when I would need that support, it was very naturally right in front of me. God is, God is so amazing and how he <laughs> takes these experiences in life and um, we don't see it at the time, right? Because we're kind of caught up yeah. with it all in our face and we're dealing with, with what's, what's in our face and trying to handle those day-to-day things. Mm -hmm. But when you, we get a chance to reflect back on it and see what God was doing and how he had a much bigger purpose in mind for all of those things, whether it's, whether it's turmoil within the church, whether it's a physical ailment that, that you had to get through, all of these things have led you to becoming an inspiring hope for so many people through your books and um, Soul Selfie, uh, soul, I, I know you began writing Soul Selfie coming, I believe, out of this experience with leukemia is kind of mm-hmm. where the writings began. Um, I want to dive into the writings a little bit and understand the purpose behind them. But can you first clue us in on the title of the book, mm-hmm. Soul Selfie? Where, where did that title come from? What, what is it that you are saying in those two words? Yeah, that really, you know, you talk about writing, my writing starting as a result of my leukemia. And I think one of the coolest things is that my writing actually started in my leukemia. Mm. Uh, When I went in the hospital, um, obviously everyone was shocked and we, you know, we had people to update. People couldn't really come and see me because I was neutropenic. So we started a blog to update people on the status of my cancer. And that, you know, there's only so much. I can talk about that. So about, and I was in the hospital, like I said, for 30 days. So had a little time to reflect. And I do a lot of daily reading books like Jesus Calling and Oswald Chambers were some of my favorite ones and some recovery books. And so um, that's kind of how my brain worked. So I started just reflecting on things that were happening to me or thoughts I was having about God or about life. And um, I would post them and people were responding that they felt encouraged by that. They kind of felt guilty. Like, well, you're the one who's sick, you know, we're supposed to be encouraging you and you're encouraging us. And so I just kind of kept doing that. When you look in my first book, this is my first one. I love my cover. You can't know if you can see it very well. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. These are all, I forced um, all my readers to take selfies and then send them to me. And then those are all pictures of them that the selfies they took. So the idea of the selfie is that um, when I was in the hospital, I really sensed God saying to me, Heather, you are a full-time job and you just need to flip that camera back around on yourself. Stop taking, you've spent you know far too long taking snapshots of everybody else's behavior and either trying to imitate it or judge it. And I just want you to worry about yourself and then use the things that I teach you to encourage other people who might be going through the same. I, but if you look at the, I think the first entry that I wrote, and so my book is a compilation of the first 120 blogs I wrote while I was um, mostly through my leukemia journey. But then my second book is Soul Selfie, hashtag no filter. And it's the next 120 blogs And then I have another probably 60 or 70 blogs that are not published in a book form, but they are all on my website. But my first one was March 29th. Well, I was diagnosed with leukemia on February 6th. 
So this was right after, and then I was in the hospital for 30 days, 35 days actually, because I got a secondary infection and um, was ended up in ICU and intubated for a week. Wow. Was pretty scary. They didn't, they thought I was, they flew my son home from college. They didn't think I was going to live through that. So I guess my point is really just that we can help other people even while we're still sick. And I think so that's a, such an important lesson because we feel like we have to be, even today, all day leading up to this, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm an idiot. Why am I talking on anything? <laughs> Why, who's going to read anything I write? Who's, you know, my brain just started going around and around. And I just thought, and then God's like, Heather, the whole point of you writing is because you're a hot mess. No one wanted to hear from you when you pretended that you had it all figured out. Now you talk about where you fall short and other people say, I know how you feel or yeah, I'm there. And then they're encouraged. So, you know, sometimes I just forget that I don't have to have it all together and that you can write and encourage when you're, even though you're still sick. You know, that that's an amazing point. And I love what you just said, where um, if you are somebody who comes across like, I have it all together. I know all the answers. I've got it figured out. Then there's no relatability there to the people who you are speaking with. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is none of us have it all together. You know, we, we live in a world and I love your, your, I love your soul selfie title because um, in the world of social media, it's really exploited this, but I mean, how many apps are there out there now with filters and Facetune and people photoshopping this and taking every little bit of this out and let's enhance this and let's let's mm -hmm. make it and and all it's doing is it's taking the authenticity of who we are and it's manufacturing a fake image and we do that here too in the heart and uh, you know how many times do people go you know, you're trying to get the kids ready to go to church and you're yelling and screaming, and you're running late and you're, there's the car that won't go at the green light and you're trying to, you know, honk at them, go, 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 I got to go. And then you walk into church and it's like, oh, hi, everything's great. Yeah, and they're all... nice to everyone else. Yeah. Kids are cranky. Oh yeah, talk right. about, yeah, if you're a pastor's wife, try that on her side. Your husband's already gone, which actually might be the key is because like, at least you're not fighting with him because he's already at church. But, yes, you know, trying yes. to get my kids there and they're, we're all running in with our hair on fire and, um, but the yeah. moment you go in, everything's good. We've got it all mm -hmm. together. We're the happy family. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and that is, that is so true. And I love what you've done with taking that authenticity and putting it in, in words, uh, when it comes to your book, soul selfie, um, what type of topics are you really it, talking about is it is it all about physical illness is it about i mean what what are you what are you really hitting on when you're yeah. going through these different aspects you know very i shouldn't say little but i'd say compared to the total of my blogs most of them are not about cancer or illness however um you know one of the things that i identify is that we you know cancer is something that is most of the time, sometimes it can be curable, but a lot of times, sometimes it's chronic, but the diseases of the soul or what I call the common plagues of the heart are chronic. And those are things like worry, doubt, fear, control, mm. image management, jealousy, resentment. Um, and, you know, we might get a handle on them in some days and then tomorrow 
you know, something could trigger us and throw us off course. We have to regroup. And so I talk repeatedly about all those kinds of topics because those are things that seem to, that I have noticed in me, we struggle with these things and we have to talk about them in the messiness and try to walk through it with people. And that seems to be what keeps people coming back to reading it. And, and how many um, chapters is Soul Selfie, the original book? There are each 120 posts in them. And so they're kind of like a daily entry. I, I have a little ADD, so I can't focus for more than about two pages. So that's how I will write. Um, and I actually, I got a little extra bossy in my second book and I tell people how to read it because I don't want people just plopping down on the beach and reading the whole thing and then moving on to the next book. Really what I want people to do because I want them to try to incorporate it into their life. They're, yeah. they're kind of life lesson, they're candid reflections about, um, like I said, if you go through my to my site is heathercarterwrites.com. You can browse the archives and the, by category and you'll see over and over. I, I keep adding some more, but they're all kind of the same vein of worry, fear, doubt, resentment, forgiveness, those kinds of things. Yeah. And um, people, so if you're there struggling with anxiety or fear or worry, they can just go and read everything I've ever written about that and oh, kind of immerse really nice. themselves in that. So um I like that. I have to read my own book a lot because sometimes I forget what I believe. I don't know if you ever do that. You're like, oh my gosh, I talk 100%. every day about how we're supposed to do this. And then I don't do it at all. And then yeah. I start reading my book. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's really cool. So a day, more of a daily devotional type of a, a mm -hmm. reading, which is fantastic. I mean, that's Jesus calling you had mentioned. And, you know, there mm -hmm. are a lot of really good daily devotions out there, but they are designed for exactly what you said. Read Soul Selfie every day, digest it, take it in, apply it. And then the next day, read something new. And yeah. I, I love that. So when it comes to um, what you have experienced God do since you've written your book, how you mentioned one thing right there that I think is, is very true. Um, I say it all the time when I'm writing something that I'm posting on, on, you know, one of my LinkedIn profiles or, or doing um, for the podcast or whatever, I am so often talking to myself and saying, if somebody else can be blessed by this, great. If not, I need to hear it for myself because I'm oh, applying yeah. it right here. Right. So what, what have you experienced from that God has done um, in your life since putting this book out there? Are you, are you finding more healing? Are you meeting new people that have had said, have, have reached out to you as a result? What, what have you experienced from God mm -hmm. since putting these out? Yeah, that. It's definitely been the case. Um, one of the things I love about how God has put this writing gift in me. So I, I should probably mention this, you know, a lot of people when they write books are like, oh man, I always wanted to write a book. I just didn't know what I would write about till I got leukemia or whatever. No, I did not ever want to write a book. I did not write one thing that anyone would have read <laughs> before I got, before I started updating people on a blog about cancer. Mm. I didn't write anything. And to, even to this day, I probably, if you ask me to write something about something specific, I don't know if I can do it or not. I just, I read my readings. I listen. I, I always also kind of say that my blog is like a Seinfeld episode. It's like a blog about nothing, only it's kind of about everything. Yeah. So 
whatever I go through in a day, um, I try to learn from the drama and the trauma and the minutia of everyday life and share it with other people so that they can learn and grow and be encouraged. It doesn't always mean that I know the answer. Usually when I start writing, it's just me and my iPad. Where's my little iPad? Because this is, this is my writing tool, this tiny little iPad. Nice. When I went in the hospital, someone bought me a keyboard for it. So I mean, I can type a hundred miles an hour. So my brain just throws it out on my iPad and it starts off usually as a journal to God and ends up a blog. I can't stop it. I, it won't stop. <laughs> so awesome. I, um, I literally just sit down on my couch with a topic in my head, uh, or usually something I'm struggling with and I start typing it and in 45 minutes or less, it's a blog. And all I do is edit it for grammar and post it. Because if I have to think for more than probably an hour, I'm going to probably screw it up. (laughs) When I start editing it, it doesn't go well. I wrote It's a stream of consciousness that God puts it, brings out of me. And, um, and then I throw it out there for people. So anybody (laughs) who's experienced the Holy spirit knows exactly what you're describing right now, because um, so oftentimes people who are, who have the Holy spirit will find themselves saying something or thinking of something or typing something Mm -hmm. that it's like that. I don't Um, even know where that came from, but it came from God through us that we, we are his vessel. And, um, if, and that's, that's one of the biggest challenges I know for me personally, and I talk, I do talk about it a lot because I, it is a struggle, which is to not allow me to get in his way, to mm-hmm. allow me to be surrendered to him so that he can work through me. So he can speak through me so that he can ask Heather Carter, the right questions through mm-hmm. me. And, um, and what you're describing with, with typing at, I, I didn't know you can measure it at 150 miles per hour, but I get it. <laughs> you just go, 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 Pretty go. Pretty sure. It's kind of like yeah. how I drive. It's how I type. Uh, and I, <clears throat> I really worried uh, a bit about that when I, my leukemia went into remission. I was sort of afraid that my writing would go into remission with it. Like, you know, like you just gave me this gift for such a time as this. And now we're all moving on. But because I write about the common plagues of the heart, which I severely struggle with and will always battle I apparently will never run out of material because I just write about how I screw things up usually and so because of that I'll have all kinds of things to keep me going for a long time but the you know I want to say that one of the things I love about the gift God's given me is that somehow I managed to write for someone like you who loves Jesus and your whole life is about serving him but at the same time, I can write for someone who will not pick up any kind of devotional, any kind of Bible, probably doesn't want to go to church, might be mad at God. They read my book too. And so I always keep that in mind when I'm writing. So my language, I keep it so that you can read between the lines if you know what, if you're a Christian, but if you're not, you're not going to be like, whoa, hold on, Nelly. It's a like a four-year for faith. Someone can, it just invites them in and takes down their defenses and helps them see how much God loves them and that he wants to come alongside them and help them through their struggles. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned this when we talked before, but I, there's a friend of mine who I'd given a book to that I kind of 
kind of knew not really well. She was another uh, friend of mine and at work and I gave her a book and um, a couple weeks later, her daughter got really sick and she um, sent me a message saying, I'm in the hospital. And it was a picture of her holding my book mm. saying, I haven't, I'm reading your book. I usually don't read. I hate, I hate reading. Um, I buy books all the time and I don't read them. Uh, and I've, but I've been reading it and it's helping me pray, which is something I've been trying to do more of. And I just wanted to tell you, thank you for writing this. And when I hear those kinds of things for people who are kind of still exploring their level of commitment to the faith journey, I'm like, and that's why I will keep writing. Mm. If it's for that one person, I will keep writing because to me, that's what it's about is sharing God's love and hope with people who don't know it about it yet. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and yes, you're right. There are a whole lot of people uh, that, um, well, I'm, you're right. I might, I might enjoy opening up the Bible every day and, and reading in the Bible every day. There are a whole lot of people that would never do that, that, that right. are not there, but if they can open up a book like soul selfie and not feel like they are being preached at, but feel like they are relating to this and understanding this. And it's taking them one step closer to knowing God and having a relationship with him through the understanding of who he is. That's, that's what it's all about. And, mm-hmm. and thank you for doing that because yeah. there, I think there it just, I try to take down their defenses so that they can receive and, you know, then I let God take care of the rest of that. But for what my purpose is in writing, it's just to introduce people who are, might not be familiar and then to solidify your faith. Cause I, I think for anybody, even who has been the man who encouraged me to put it in a book form is an 80 year old man who was a billionaire who would have his secretary print it off and read and so he could read it every day and he was he's a strong christian man so it's not like it's not going to relate to someone who already gets it but somehow it seems to also relate to people who aren't kind of haven't taken that whole plunge yet they're just kind of tiptoeing so that's a blessing grateful for that so we have soul selfie we have soul selfie unfiltered for for those that want to get a little more explicit in the, in the book, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. then w- w- are you still writing now? Is there, is there a third mm-hmm. book coming anytime in the, well, I hope so. I ended up taking for my second book, the soul selfie hashtag, no filter one. I had, I think about 30 or 40 more blogs in there and it was just way too thick. And so I took those out. So now that's good. Cause now I have some cushions. So if I want to write another one I'm not so far behind because I do I write probably especially since this book has come out I've I've kind of stepped it up a little bit I was writing once or twice a month and now I try to make sure I write every week and then I post on my Facebook page and LinkedIn probably two or three times a week some older posts so um there's probably 50 or 60 posts in on my site that are not in any books yet yeah. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. Um, I would love to put out another book, but I cannot, I could not sit down and write them quickly because that's not how I write. So yeah, yeah. two a week might be pushing me a little bit, but I could probably do that. I did that when I had cancer because I had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, well, well not, now you got, now you got to train for your marathons again, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. So. <laughs> it's very strenuous. Yes. Yes. So. To not run. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I think that 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 is great though. And and as the Lord leads you, keep typing and keep doing it because yeah, it's great that you got a head start. Obviously, those were those were not meant to go into the no filter right. book. Um, they're meant to be the starting point of a new book. And um, and as yeah. God leads you, keep writing because other we we need that out there um, for the purposes of what it is, which is to have relatability of experiences where, look, we are all a mess and, and we are, we're all a mess. Every one of us, we all, nobody has it together. I, I would love to think that I live my life every day for, for Jesus. And I do everything I can in my life for Jesus. I, I wish I could say that. I hope, I, I hope I'm moving in that direction, but you know, it's, it's never about perfection. It is about direction. And if we can mm-hmm. keep moving in the direction towards Christ, towards being the way God would want us to be, then we're doing all we can and doing it the right way. But to take something like this and be able to relate to people who know God, who don't know God, who just go through hard times of all different experiences and being able to give them hope, mm-hmm. that is, there, there's nothing more important than that. Yeah. For when it comes to your books um, and, and getting, getting a book in hand, how can we do that? Where can we find your books? Where can we learn more about you? Where can we connect with you? If we're on social media, where, where are you at? Um, so my books are on Amazon. That's a great place. I'd love it if people order through that and then give me a good review. That's very helpful. Um, and then on Facebook, if you just do, I think soul selfie, that should pop up. And Facebook is a really good place to be or LinkedIn somehow, if you can find me Heather Carter on LinkedIn, because I do post my new, all my new um, blogs and you'll, you can sign up on my site though, to get those just emailed to you. So that's just easy. All my, my name and soul selfie will help you find pretty much anything. So like my website is heathercarterwrites.com, but all of those things should be able, you should be able to find me. And then, um, I do encourage people to sign up to get the new posts emailed to them just so that if you're not on Facebook, on Facebook person, that it will just come in your email. And then you can get to my site and read, you know, like I said, all those topics, if you're struggling, you know, I really hope people would utilize it as a tool to kind of just get some, take some breaths and know that they're not alone. Wow. Well, again, thank you so much for writing the books. Thank you for coming on LinkedIn Jesus Transformed podcast and telling us about the books. It's definitely um, a blessing, again, to, to being able to know that these are out there as daily devotions for us to be able to pick up, read, relate to somebody else out there that's struggling and going through it. And we're all in this together mm-hmm. and working through it. But to know that God is in control of all. And that is that is the most Literally. beautiful thing that you can deliver. So, yeah. Thank you again. And I appreciate it so much and uh, get out there and go find her book on Amazon soul selfie and soul selfie, no filter. And, uh, and then find her at heathercarterwrites.com. Correct.com. Awesome. Thank you again, Heather. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate being able to be here. All right. Well, what a blessing that was to have Heather Carter on and talking about her books, Soul Selfie and Soul Selfie No Filter. And really, her book is all about being able to relate to people, people who go through struggles, people who go through hard times, people who have a hard time forgiving themselves and um, helping them to be able to understand that others out there can relate 
and struggle through the same thing. And we're all in this together. And so go find her daily devotion. But, you know, there's one other thing that I want you to keep in mind, which is that there is somebody else who can relate. Jesus Christ came here to this earth because he can relate. He knows what it's like to go through and, and see the turmoil that happens in this world and to see people who are sick and, and dying and to, to understand that when people feel hatred and Jesus himself went through some of the most difficult, excruciating, painful times that any human being has ever gone through. And he did that for me and for you because he knew that you and I both have done things that we can't be proud of. We violated God's moral laws. We've done things like lying. We've done things like stealing. We've done things like felt hatred towards somebody. All of these things, which are just three of, of God's 10 commandments, his own laws are clear evidence that we have violated God's moral law. And our conscience tells us that it bears witness to that. And so, because we know that we have broken God's law and we know that God who created all things, you, me, and everything that is lovely and everything that is around us, we know that one day we are going to leave this earth. We are all appointed once to die, and then we will stand before God for the one judgment that we are really going to have to face. And when we stand before God for that judgment, we are all found guilty of breaking his laws, and he's a good God. He's a good, righteous, just God, and he does not just let criminals go free. He can't just turn a blind eye to justice because that's not good and that's not loving. We wouldn't want that to be the case if somebody we love had a horrendous crime committed against them and the criminal stood before the judge and the judge just said, I forgive you. You're free to go. We wouldn't want that because it's not loving and it's not right. And it's certainly not just, but God is all of those things. And so it leaves us in a bad predicament when we have broken his laws, we are found guilty and we have a good, righteous, just judge in front of us. But the greatest news of all is that God is good, righteous, and just, but he is also full of love and grace. And he gave us the only way for him to remain righteous and just and to show his love and grace by becoming the baby born of a virgin, Jesus Christ, and live a sinless life, never broke any of those moral laws, never did any of those things, never lied, never stolen, never, never did any of those things. And he did that so that he can be unjustly, brutally beaten, whipped, tortured. The Bible talks about his beard was ripped from his face and he hung on that cross looking like a piece of meat, almost unrecognizable as a human being. This is complete horrendous torture that Jesus Christ went through when he hung on that cross and poured out his life's blood. And that is the payment that you and I owe. We broke the law, but Jesus stepped into the courtroom and he paid our fine in full. And the judge, the good, righteous, just judge of all the world, God himself can receive that payment for our fine, remain righteous and just because our fine has been paid and let us go on the merit that Jesus Christ paid our fine. The greatest news ever is that we broke the law, but Jesus paid our fine. God loves us enough to not make us take that payment, though. 
He doesn't force it upon us. We have the right to reject it and say, no, Jesus, I want nothing to do with you. I don't want your payment. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to receive it. And we have the right to do that, but understand that God is a good, righteous, just judge, and you will have to pay your own fine. And I don't want that for you. I, I plead with you to please consider the free gift that God has given us through the blood of Jesus, that if we would just repent, turn from our sins, if we would just no longer desire to do those things because we love him and we're thankful to him for what he did for us on the cross. And then we trust Jesus the way that you would trust a parachute if you were to jump out of an airplane or you would trust a pilot who's flying the airplane that you're sitting in coach on. Put that kind of implicit trust in Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins. We'll stumble. We'll make mistakes, but our hearts will break over it because we know the one that loves us died for us. If we would do those things, we will pass from death into life and we'll receive an eternal life with God in heaven. And then he will transform our lives and we will all be linked in Jesus. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please share it with others and make sure to subscribe because we have a lot more shows coming your way. God bless you. And let's live our lives all for him.